It's time to get up and get your day started. Morant. Oh! A jawbreaker! It's Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. The first hour of Sports 56 Mornings is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Now, here are your hosts, Greg and Eli. Get up every morning What a wild weekend it was in the world of sports. We are here to talk about it on this cold, wet Monday morning. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. It is time for Sports 56 Mornings, the Monday, October 30th, 2023 edition of the program. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, and Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, it's where family and fun come together. Their overstock sale continues with deals on just about everything. 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. Check them out when you have the time. Also, the first hour of the program brought to you by our friends at East Memphis Ace Hardware. As far as our guests are concerned, Monday, football season. That means Barrett Salee at 825, and he's the only guest we have scheduled. Gives us plenty of time to go over everything in the world of sports, locally, regionally, nationally. We'll take your calls and texts on the Sports 56 listener lines at 901-360-8255. Weather-wise, again, it is uh, pretty nasty out there. Right now, some rain, 43 degrees, feels like 37 degrees. We're looking at a high today of only 46, chance of rain at 50%. Again, it's raining in parts of Memphis right now. Tonight, partly cloudy. Increasing clouds, periods of showers after midnight with a low of 34 degrees. Chance of rain, 30%. Let me say that again. Low of around 34 degrees. And our first freeze warning in effect for tomorrow. Uh, Tomorrow, though, during the day, it will become brighter, although the high of only 52. So, yes, a dose of winter here in the fall as uh, this week will be nasty and hopefully uh, the kids will be okay tomorrow night as far as it will dry off for trick-or-treating, but they need to bundle up. So what was going on over the weekend that we'll talk about? Well, let's see. Memphis Tigers football, almost a catastrophe down in Denton, Texas. We will talk about their escape, their Houdini act against North Texas. We'll go over everything that is happening in the world of college football, including everything from the SEC, another win for the Ole Miss Rebels. We'll talk a little Memphis Tigers basketball as they had their first dress rehearsal yesterday at FedEx Forum against Lane College. That's Andre Turner's team. We will talk NBA, the Grizzlies' losses on Friday to Denver and Saturday at Washington. So the Grizzlies 0-3 as they host the Dallas Mavericks tonight. But there could be relief on the way. We will discuss that on the program. The World Series is even at 1. What a dramatic Game 1 on Friday. Tonight, Game 3 from Arizona as the scene shifts. We will discuss that on the program today. We'll go over the Associated Press Top 25 in the college football world. All that and much, much more coming up on the program today. How did you deal with the cold this morning, my friend? Uh, survived it. <laughs> That's all you can do, right? Made it. Made it here. Didn't have any issues. All good. All good in the world. All is good until the roads start to freeze. I'm not saying that's happening today. It's hopefully not. But tomorrow, maybe. Maybe an issue overnight if the rain's uh, coming down in the morning when we drive to work. But, yeah, you got to deal with it. And like I said, um, 
it's the first dose of winter weather, even though we're technically still in the fall. But it doesn't mean it's going to continue. More than likely, after this week, it'll go back to getting warm. That's just the way Memphis weather is. Zach Boyd, how was your weekend, man? Uh, weekend was busy as usual. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize it was going to get this cold so soon. <laughs> I uh, what I it it I started looking at the weather probably like around Friday mm-hmm. Friday Saturday ish. You were startled. So I'm like I'm just kind of planning ahead for, my, <laughs> for the rest of the weekend, and I and somebody told me he's like yeah like it's supposed to be like in the 70s on Saturday and then we're dropping all the way down to like 50 or 40 on sun on on Monday morning. I'm like. Good yeah, and then in the 30s tomorrow. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's here. But again, how long it stays, who knows? Uh, do you, by the way, do anything for Halloween? Halloween party? Anything like that? Zach? No. No. Nothing no. for Halloween. No Halloween. Eli, any Halloween party this year? Uh no, no, no nope. Halloween parties. Could have could have went one Saturday, but went to Stevie Dicks instead. Oh, how was Stevie? Good. She was good. Really good. I was reading where she stayed at the Bass Pro Shop. Yeah, she said that. She talked about that. Yeah, she. Uh, That's cool. Good. Her voice is still still really darn good. Yeah, I saw her when she was here previously, and she was with somebody else. I, I'm trying to remember what that concert was, but I saw her um, one time experience. That was fantastic. You know, it would have been great in the heyday to watch Fleetwood Mac in concert. But she is uh, she's fabulous, absolutely fabulous. So good, glad you guys had a good weekend. We got a lot to discuss here on the program today. Before we dive into the world of sports, certainly in the world of entertainment, huge news over the weekend with the passing of Matthew Perry from Friends, uh, one of their great uh, cast members, who, again, the original report drowning in his jacuzzi in Hollywood. And I got a feeling they're going to find something different when the coroner's report is complete. He's a guy who has written a book about his demons. It just, unless you had a heart attack or, or hit your head or something, it's pretty hard, even for a guy like me who can't swim, to drown in a jacuzzi. But, um, you know, that's neither here nor there. The bottom line is that that guy died way too young. Very, very, very talented. To, in fact, I don't know. I, I, I could see ranking that guy at the very top. Maybe Aniston won him too, as far as the talent of those six people that were the cast members, the main cast members of Friends. Just terrific, really good comedic timing. Matthew Perry had. Yeah, he was he was he was fantastic in Friends. Um, really, you know, obviously a lot of other shows and things as well, but obviously most known for that. And uh, yeah, unfortunate that he dealt with some demons and some addictions and things like that through his life. And uh, yeah, definitely gone way too young. I watched some of Friends. I was never one of those I got to watch weekly. It was um, must-see TV for me, but certainly I watched a, a number of the episodes to know uh, what all those members of the cast, you know, what their characters were all about. And again, it was um, a very, very popular show. Certainly, when they look back at the history of television, it's always ranked in the top 100 as far as shows are concerned. So certainly, some tragic news there. All right, so wanted to start with basketball, and then we'll dive heavy into football. Of course, Barrett Salee will join us at 825. In our third hour, we'll get to the NFL. The NFL, any weekend you have where the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers in 2023 both lose, it's a pretty crazy weekend. So we'll discuss that. Of course, week eight will wrap up tonight with the Lions playing host to the Raiders, 7 o'clock. We'll have that game for you right here on Sports 56. Went over to uh, FedEx Forum, got a little taste of the 
Tigers basketball team, the men's basketball team, they will open up the regular season a week from tonight when they play Jackson State. That's Mo Williams' team. And yesterday, Penny did coach the team. His suspension for the first three games of the season does not include the preseason. So he was doing his thing. And again, for preseason games, they clicked. He used a lot of different combinations. We saw a lot of the talent displayed on that court. It looks like a team that has incredible length, really good size, and I think it's a better three-point shooting team. And the one thing that jumps out at you, and we already knew this, Eli, is the fact that they have a variety of guys who can lead them any night in scoring, which is a complete... 180 from last year when you knew it was going to be Kendrick Davis, DeAndre Williams as your two main options. Yeah, they certainly have a lot of offensive weapons. Um, you know, they look, I guess, yesterday like you should against Lane. Um, you know, they were efficient shooting the basketball. You know, a lot of guys getting involved, obviously, assist numbers way up. You know, just a really efficient offensive performance when you shoot 50% from three-point range, um, you know, 24 assists on the 34 made shots, you know, all the guys basically shooting the ball well um, from the field. So a dominant performance is what you would expect to see out of them against Lane, and, and that's exactly what they were able to do. They did not have their starting point guard, Javon Quinterly, the Alabama transfer. He did not go. He has a bit of a leg injury, nothing too serious, as Penny talked about after the game, but Quinterly was held out. So Caleb Mills slid over to the starting point guard position, and Jalen Young, the transfer from UCF, came off the bench to back him up. And Jalen Young is fast. I think he ended up with five, yeah, five steals in that game. The only thing I thought was a negative was Lane, by the way, well coached. It's Andre Turner. So they're they're in the right positions. They're they're trying to go to the glass as small as they were compared to Memphis. To get 13 offensive rebounds was pretty impressive for the Dragons. But athletic-wise, they're not going to match up with Memphis. So you're going to have the blowout win. But I, I thought you could tell Lane College was well-coached. But the 13 offensive rebounds would be the one negative. The only negative I really saw from the Tigers. David Jones is everything um, that we had heard about. And watching him firsthand yesterday, he's got a motor. He just keeps going. 17 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. Led the team in scoring, in rebounds, and in assists. Yeah, you know, there's been a lot of talk about him in practices, preseason, all that stuff. And, yeah, it seemed to to show yesterday that he could he could be certainly a huge piece in this puzzle. He and, um, and you know, Jordan Brown kind of doing his thing, you know, showing his ability. The good thing, I think, out of Jordan Brown, the 6-for-6 six six at the free throw line, nice to have a big guy who could go to the free throw line and knock down free throws for you. Um, so, yeah, there was there were certainly a lot of positive things on the individual side as well. Yeah, free throw-wise, the Tigers got to the line 39 times. They made 29, but you're right about Jordan Brown. He's a guy who doesn't demand the ball, but in crunch time, you need a bucket down low. That's the guy you're going to go to, 14 points, and six rebounds. Ashton Hardaway, 13 points, five rebounds. We kept hearing about how good a three-point shooter he was. Came from Sierra Canyon where he played with Bronny James out on the West Coast. Hit three trays in this game. Really good-looking shot. Made his first three, missed his next two. But it just looks like this is a guy 
that will absolutely need to be on the floor at times. He's not going to play mega minutes. He's not going to start. But certainly, I think, as a guy who, as a freshman, you can count on. He's got great size as well. If you can knock down threes, you can get on the court uh, for most teams. And if he can um, shoot the, that, the ball that way, yeah, you got to find minutes for him. You can never have enough shooting. Yeah, from a three-point number, from a three-point statistic yesterday, David Jones was two for two. Ashton Hardaway was three for five. Let's see. Jordan Brown, three-pointers, 0 of 1. Caleb Mills was 1 of 1. Jaquan Walton is, was 0 of 1. Jaden Hardaway, 1 of 2. Jalen Young, 1 of 2. Jordane was 0 of 2. Pierre was 1 of 1. Sharon Font was 0 and 1. So, again, it's a mixture. It had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Six different guys hit three-pointers. And, again, Quinterly didn't play. And he's a guy who could certainly hit the three-point shot. Caleb Mills at 11 points. He brings that veteran presence. He played at Florida State. Before that, he played at Houston. So, again, uh, and, and Malcolm Dandridge, who will be the backup to Jordan Brown. I don't know how many minutes he'll play, but you know you can go to Malco. And if you want to go really big, you can go crazy with Brown and Dandridge if you had to do something like that. I'm not sure we'll see much of that. But Malco had 14 points, six rebounds, three steals, and two blocks. He's in his fifth year. He's been there. He's done that. You know, Are the knees better? They seem to be, but it's exhibition game number one. And who knows where he'll be midway through the season. But unless Brown... God forbid gets hurt or in foul trouble in games. I don't see Malco playing big minutes, but it's nice to have a veteran presence, kind of a security blanket for Penny. Yeah, just another big body um, who can go in there, and, and you know, with the issues he's had health wise, not you know counting on him for huge minutes, but spot minutes here and there um, certainly can have a role on this team and could be very effective at it just because of his, his size. And yes, a veteran guy who's been there, done that, knows kind of what is expected from Penny and Penny knows he can kind of count on him um, to be one of those guys. Nick Jordan, the Temple transfer, eight points, seven rebounds. He drew four fouls, did not commit a foul. He had four assists. Big guy who can pass the ball well. He had a steal. I like Jordan. He came off the bench uh, to start this game. And Penny said he could shake up the lineup for Thursday in the second exhibition game. They'll take on LeMoyne Owen in that second exhibition game. I'd ask Penny after the game, and I'm sure he's been asked about this subject before. He he has been obviously very gracious to LeMoyne Owen, Christian Brothers in the past, and now Lane and the connection to him with Andre Turner, another former Tiger great. The money that they are, and I'm not sure how much they give to these schools for these exhibition games, but I'm sure it's it's a handsome amount, which really helps their athletic department and maybe even sustains their athletic department. So that is something that's very important to him. But I asked him about, what about the possibility of having that super secret scrimmage? Because Memphis plays such a rugged non-conference schedule and they play those early season tournaments that Lane and Lemoyne Owen and Christian Brothers are not exactly going to get you really ready. They get you game experience as far as going out there and at least playing against somebody. But going up and doing a, a, one of these secret scrimmage games against Ohio State or Kentucky or whoever 
And he talked about that. He said, yeah, he's he's really considering doing that. And he didn't talk about playing like UT Martin or Little Rock. He talked about playing Ohio State or a big-name Power 5 school to get themselves ready for the regular season. I think that's a smart way to go, even though you would hate to see the smaller schools not get their payday. Yeah, there was a lot of teams, a lot of exhibition games around the country between you know big-time foes over the weekend. And um, some of them end up being great games, stuff like that. So, yeah, you could uh, certainly, I think, doing one-and-one, one, one against one of these schools, um, maybe as a warm-up. But, um, but, yeah, I think it would be nice to play an exhibition against a, a good um, program and give yourself a real test before your actual the season actually starts. Did I read where it was at Pace, Pace University? Yep. Defeated St. John's. Yes. Rick Pitino expected to have a pretty good team in his first year as he takes over the Johnnies. But I think it was Pace, is Pace D two D three D two D two the Setters, which I love. I did. I did not know that the was pace their nickname. Setters? The the Pace Setters, um, which is one of the great greatest nicknames there is in in college sports. I had never. Um, I had never. Heard of them? I thought maybe they were the Picantes, but no, they're not. They're the Setters. <laughs> uh, either way, the Tigers, uh, a winner over the Dragons from Lane 106 49. Again, they'll play Thursday night against Lemoyne Owen, and they'll start the regular season a week from today as they will host Jackson State at FedEx Forum. We'll take our first time out. When we come back, we'll take a look at the grisly slow start to the season, but help is on the way. If you want to be a part of our program. You want to hit us up on the Tigers basketball, on the Grizzlies. We can take your calls and your texts right now on that. Then we will dive into, obviously, a big weekend of college football, the NFL, the World Series. So much to go as we are just getting underway on this cold, wet Monday morning. Folks, I know winter is approaching, but you can always have that lawn taken care of. I'm not talking about a lawn mowing service. I'm talking about a weed control fertilization company, and that is Lawn Solutions, locally owned, family operated, because they are actually taking care of your lawn even during the dormant months, the winter months, when the grass is dormant, they are making sure that they are taking care of that lawn. So when spring is sprung, those weeds aren't anywhere to be seen. They kill the weeds, get you that green, plush, beautiful lawn. They control the germination of weeds by applying pre-emergence during the winter months. And then they're around, obviously, during the spring and summer. They're applying what they call post-emergence. They could take care of any disease your lawn has, any insect infestation. I had an issue with grub worms. They took care of that because we had the moles, right? We had the moles around there. Got rid of those. They are good at what they do. I mean, really, really good at what they do. So give them a call. Talk to Brandon Holly. He's the owner of this company. 901-867-5626. That's 901-867-5626. Tell me you heard it here on Sports 56 Mornings. Again, locally owned, family operated, or go online to lawnsolutionsinc.net. You're tuned in to Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Everybody's working for the weekend. Scotty on Twitter. 
just debating if an exhibition win over the number 14 in the country without your two best player means anything for Tennessee. Solid win nonetheless. Looks like another solid squad in Knoxville. Yeah, they went to Michigan State in that exhibition game. Um, yeah, with that, and that, that's a, that was an impressive win. Again, it's an exhibition. Don't know for sure what it means and how seriously teams are taking it. But yeah, some of these, you know, the Arkansas-Purdue one was end up being a really good game. You had Kansas and Illinois, all these charity exhibitions. I, I think, yeah, I mean, it's... That, that can't hurt. No, I think it only helps. It does hurt the little guys, right? It hurts the Christian brothers, the Lanes, the Lemoyne Owens if you don't play those. But Penny talked about mixing it up. I think it would be very beneficial for Memphis to do that. I think it when you play the non-conference schedule that you play, and he talked about it, he wasn't putting down the American Conference when he made the comment yesterday that, basically paraphrasing, he said, his season is the non-conference schedule. Yes, you can't flounder in the conference, but if Memphis is floundering in the conference, there's bigger problems. It's a bad conference, let's be honest. So to have a high seed, you have to take care of business in the non-conference schedule. And how many times have they had a struggle in a tournament, whatever, wherever that tournament has been? Wherever, whoever they've played against, they haven't won one of those suckers. It would be nice to get that win over... Michigan to start that uh, tournament they're playing in the Vir- was it the Virgin Islands or the Bahamas? Bahamas. Bahamas. So again, to be prepared for that, playing against a bigger program, a, I'm not saying bigger program than Memphis, but a big time program as opposed to these Division II schools or whatever, I think it's only beneficial. As far as Tennessee is concerned, Tennessee once again is loaded. They got veteran players, they got young talent, they just. Hey, it's all about the postseason for Tennessee. Not floundering when they get to the postseason. They need to stay healthy. They need to stay together. Tennessee can be really good. Same deal with Arkansas. Musselman has put together incredible recruiting classes and transfer transfers. These transfer portal guys that he gets, amazing. Many of them have already gone on to play in the NBA. But they get to the tournament and they stub their toe. So those, those teams... They have the talent. They have really good coaches. They well, should Arkansas go a long way. Arkansas has their toe in the tournament. They've been like the lead eight. eight. I mean, he's he's taking them far in the tournament. What did they do this past year? They were, what, 316? Yeah, but again, I'm, I'm talking about a team that is good enough to be a Final Four team. Yeah, they're, they're going to be good. They're going to be in the tournament. That's not a question. I'm talking about a team that has the roster to be a Final Four team and is not a Final Four team. I guess my, my priorities are a little bit higher when it comes to the roster that Arkansas has, the roster that Tennessee has. So I look at it differently. Now, I look at this Memphis roster pretty damn good. And last year's was good. It was disappointing the way it came to an abrupt end in the final seconds against Florida Atlantic. But this is a better roster. As long as there's chemistry, this is a better roster. So if Memphis goes out there and loses in the first round, it will be horrible. But to be able to be a good seed... I mean, a high seed where they have a better chance to make a legitimate run, they have to do damage. And I mean a lot of damage in the non-conference portion of their schedule. And that's why Penny talked about that. So having one of these scrimmages, I think, can only help. Uh, Joe Tipton, who's a national recruiting guy, reporting that uh, this is the shocker of all shocks. Cooper Flagg, number one ranked player in the 2024 class, has committed to, drumroll please, Thank you, Duke. Shocking. Stunner. 
if Cooper Flag is not the quintessential Duke player, <laughs> I don't know who is. <laughs> they they get their share of good ones. I mean, and John Shire's recruited really well since he's gotten that job. Cooper Flag was going to te- going to Duke. I mean, that was you should have put your whole bankroll on that one. All right, let's talk Grizzlies. Grizzlies tonight host Luka Doncic, Kyrie Irving, and the Dallas Mavericks. The Mavericks come in at 2-0. The Grizzlies, unfortunately, at 0-3. 7 o'clock start tonight at FedEx Forum. Already we know that Luke Kennard, out again, continues to be in concussion protocol. And Santi Aldama is also out once again. Of course, Stephen Adams, Brandon Clark, John Morant, they're all out and it will be a challenge tonight, depending on how much of an effort the Mavericks put in. But since they didn't play yesterday, I would imagine that the big names, as I just mentioned, Kyrie and Luka, are playing. And for the Grizzlies to get that first win, they're going to have to step up. I thought Friday they played well. You were at the game. Uh, they took on the Denver Nuggets. They gave them a battle, but in the end, they ended up losing that game by the score of 108 to 104, Trip 21 points, nine rebounds. Marcus Smart had 20 to go along with five assists and five steals. But Dez struggled from the outside, hit only one of 10 three, one of 10 from three. And then on Saturday, I just had a feeling that after playing so tough against Denver and falling, to turn around 24 hours later, go on the road, no matter who it was against, that they were going to have a problem. And they did. They got beat up by their former. Backup point guard Tyus Jones in Washington, losing that one 113 to 106. They did rally. They were down 20 something points, ended up losing by seven. Uh, Desmond Bain had 26, so he bounced back, had a really good game. Zaire had a nice game. Zaire Williams, 16 points, 10 rebounds, his first NBA double double. But uh, when push comes to shove, Eli, and you clear the air, it's still 0 3. Yeah, they, you know, it's it was unfortunate Friday that Desmond had a, you know, the rare bad game where he couldn't really make a three. He was one for 10 from three point range because they had an opportunity to win the game. They, they played really well. It was a, a good effort. And um, there were a couple times where it looked like it might get away from them, but they came back and, and gave themselves a chance down the stretch uh, despite Bain having that game. And obviously Jaron was much, much better than he was yeah. in game one. And then you come back the next night and Desmond gets back to shooting the ball well, but um, other guys aren't as good. They just can't seem to put it together and uh, have everybody play well on the same night right now. And again, with it'd be nice to get Kennard back and nice to get Aldama back because they both can add shooting certainly to this team. And um, it's 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 a rough go right now. <laughs> it's just a it's a rough go when you're uh, when you've added Aldama and Kennard to that list of injured guys that we already knew coming in that it was going to be a problem. Look, I'm not part of the medical team, but my guess is on the road trip that they'll be back. They go to Utah, and then they have two in Portland. Aldama's injury didn't seem to be too serious. Then again, we thought Stephen Adams was going to be playing. As far as the concussion for Kennard, you know, unless it was just an incredible hit to the to the head, I, I can't imagine that he won't be back during sometime during this trip. And I think it's a trip where it's three games. Portland's bad. Portland's a bad team. Now, the Grizzlies are bad right now, but the Grizzlies are going to get better. Portland's not going to get better this year. So even though it's on the road, you got to think you're going to win one of those two. And then there's Utah. Utah has talent. But I think if they get Aldama and 
Kennard back for the trip, that they'll win two out of three. And then all of a sudden you're probably looking at two and four because tonight is going to be tough to win. It's not out of the question. But not two and four. You would be two and five. Two and five. Again, not not idea. Not ideal, the, uh, the start of this season. But you were already behind the eight ball with job being out. You make a strong move to bring in Marcus Smart. You lose Steven Adams. You already knew Clark was on the shelf. And then you get hit again with these injuries early in the season to Aldama and Kennard. I don't know what people expect. You know, John Conchar doesn't play the first game. All of a sudden, they're depending on Jitty to be a difference maker. I mean, come on. This is what you have. You're, you're down to your last guys on the bench as far as getting significant minutes in games. And as far as the five-game deal before they can get the extra player for John Morant, it's a shame that you had to wait five. I don't understand why you had to wait five, but you did. And you know, conceivably, they could be 0-5. But according to reports, I think Shams and, and Woj and everybody, yeah, the rest of the Hitler youth, they had, I'm kidding, they had um, reported over the weekend that Bismack Biombo, a name you had brought up late last week, that the Grizzlies will end up signing Biombo. I think the last team he was with was Phoenix, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, I believe so. I think he was with Phoenix last year. 31 years of age. He is a defensive... Look, he's 6'8". He's not 7 foot, but he's 6'8", who plays bigger than what he is. He's a rebounder. He's uh, a space eater. He's a big guy. And he's he was a first-round pick. He was the 7th overall pick. Going back to... Top of my head, 2014 maybe? Somewhere in that neighborhood? Two thousand No, 2011 I think it was, if I remember correctly. 2011, he was the seventh overall pick. 6'8", forward center. You know, difference maker? Maybe. Maybe because, again, Tillman's done an okay job. They even used Junior for a little bit in the last game, and I mean a little bit, to bring in a veteran guy, and this is what I said from the get-go, is they have to bring in a veteran defensive presence. Who cares if he can't score? That doesn't matter. That's not the problem is getting scoring from Biamba. The problem right now has been inconsistent shooting. Even Des Bain has been inconsistent to start the season. But once they start clicking and they get those other guys, those other two back, I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to be okay. I still think it's a team that is going to be right around that sixth spot that they may get into the playoffs or they may be in the play-in. I don't see them making a run at a top four or five spot with what you know the, the hand they've been dealt. Well, you know, first of all, Biombo, um, he's a rebounder. He blocks shots. He doesn't need the ball. His points will come off putbacks and things like that. Um, but you'll... You don't ever have to run a play for him in, right. in any way, and, and they won't. Which is just um, fine. And and but if he can block shots and rebound, then that's exactly what they're looking for right now. And then they can use the twenty games to make a decision on what they want to do for the rest of the season. If they feel they need to get somebody better, or if he's somebody that they like and uh, want to keep him for the rest of the year, or what they want to do as far as that is concerned, you're trying to you you want to be you know five hundred in these twenty five games where Jaws out. Um, you know, you don't want to get off to a two and eight or two and ten start. Makes it tough to come back from that. Um, it would be nice to get a win tonight. It will be tough to get a win tonight. The road trip certainly 
Um, you should beat Portland. Portland is awful. Uh, so you hope you could go in there and win two games, possibly beat Utah as well. If you could go three and zero on the road trip, try and get back on track. But yes, it it they you know Santi getting Santi back, getting Kennard back would be nice because they're two guys who give you um, the ability to stretch the floor. We both can knock down threes, and um, this team again needs as much three point shooting as it can possibly get. Last year, the Lakers were ten and fifteen to start the year. And we know what the Lakers did. Now, I'm not saying that if the Grizzlies go 10 and 15, same results, they'll make the great run. But they came back from five down. Obviously, you're playing an odd number. You can't be exactly you know, 500. But I think 10 is reasonable. I was looking at the schedule last night. 10 is reasonable. And again, it's a guess as to Aldama and Kennard coming back during the road trip, this first road trip. Then they come home and then they have another road trip. It's not easy. They got some games, certainly on the uh, schedule, the first 25, that you would think they should win if they're close to full strength. And I mean close to full strength without Adams and and Ja, obviously. But some others, like Boston, comes into town. So there's some big-time opponents. But I think if you can somehow come out of it 10 and 15, then you're, you're – I'm not saying you're fine, but you're. it's not a disaster. But if you go – six, seven wins over the first 25, something like that, you're done. You're toast. So Biombo, I think, will do the job that they need done. Just get in there, like you said, rebound the basketball, prevent those second-chance opportunities for the opponents, block some shots, and to have him in there, even though Tillman, again, Tillman's not a good job. Tillman's a, a very serviceable big but Jaron Jackson Jr. won't have to work as hard. He he needs to score the ball. They need him to score the ball. He needs the rebound, but he needs to score the ball. And I think he it will take a little bit of pressure off him having Biombo there. And then again, hopefully Kennard is back sooner than later. He had a bad first game shooting the ball. Bain, a little bit inconsistent, but you know Dez will be the guy. Marcus Smart, you know, good start to the season. Not great, but good start to the season. Those guys all need to step up, be consistent with getting to the hole, finishing at the rim, and knocking down threes. And if they do so, I think with still their ability to play defense, Zaire's been pretty good, I think they'll be fine. Raider Corey text in on the Sports 56 listener line at 901-360-8255. 901-360-8255. Says, I'm not at all concerned about the 0-3 start when the latest injury surfaced. Real fans knew this was going to happen. I'm nowhere near hitting the panic button. Tonight will be their fourth game in six days. It's a challenge. When you are limited in regards to healthy bodies, they will be fine. Yeah, I'm certainly not in any panic mode at all. Um, and you just... You're trying to survive these first 25. I think when Ja comes back, they'll be they'll be really good. But it's it's just difficult right now, as I said, with as shorthanded as they are. You, know, you needed to be. You wanted. To, you were hoping coming in with already having lost Adams, knowing Brandon Clark. You're like, okay, coming into the season, like, okay, we can't lose anybody else during these first 25 games. Lo and behold, Santi goes out before the first game, and then Luke Kennard gets a concussion, and you're like, it just, it's, yeah, it's, it is a difficult uh, situation right now because you're, you know, you know, Marcus Smart, you know, didn't get to play much in the preseason, so he's still learning kind of on the fly as far as playing with these guys. So it's, there, there's a lot of things going on, and um, yes, it's about survival in the first 25. Hopefully, um, 
So it'd be great to get a win tonight and then go into this road trip with the chance to possibly win all three games. But um, tonight will be difficult because Luke is really good and Kyrie Irving's really good. Um, this will this will be a challenge tonight. There's a lot of teams that are really good. And look, I, I agree. I said that I think they'll be fine. But again, my definition of fine this year is a little bit different than my definition of fine last year. What you can have this team do, like I just said, is roll out 6-19 and 19 to start the year. Something like that. 7-18. and 18. They just can't do that. I don't think they will. I think it'll be more like 10, 10 wins. But again, the quicker Aldama can come back and Kennard can come back, then you have more of a full array of players short of having John Morant, obviously Stephen Adams, and Brandon Clark, who, of course, the latter two, Stephen Adams and Brandon Clark, you're not going to have you're not going to have Adams for the whole year. Who knows if you'll get Clark at all? But you know you're going to get back Jai after 25, and so that's what I mean. Just tread water, tread water, and I think Biombo will help the team. But they nearly beat Denver on Friday. Who knows about tonight? It'll be a challenge, but you just you just never know, and you just never know the mindset of some players like on the opposing teams. You know, it was Doncic and and. Kyrie come in full blast, ready to go. Do they come in looking at, eh, you know, these guys are 0-3, they're down, they're, they have all these injuries, and maybe they don't put their best foot forward, and all of a sudden it's a game in the fourth quarter. You just never know. But I think that road trip coming up, the short three-game road trip, Utah and two at Portland, that's where I expect them to get a couple of wins. Portland is, is a bad team, but there are a lot of good teams in the NBA. They're off. This league is off to a great start with storyline after storyline after storyline. We saw that Lakers Kings game go to overtime last night. De'Aaron Fox was tremendous. We saw the Bucks with Dame Lillard and Giannis get beat up by the Atlanta Hawks. Mm-hmm. You just never know what's going to happen. But again, the um, the one thing I did talk about over the weekend with some friends is you know the window. We always talk about the window, the window, the window. So. Wide open for the Grizzlies, a window. No, the window closes quickly, even with young players, when you have injuries and when you have incidents, when you have a situation like John Moran. That's why you have to seize the moment. You have to, when you have an opportunity to make a great run, you have to make a great run because you never know what's going to happen that next year. The unknown is the hardest thing to swallow because, again, injuries off the court, any situation could add up and really derail your team. The Grizzlies aren't derailed yet. Hopefully they won't be derailed at all. But right now it is certainly a precarious start to the season. Yeah, the I mean the, the Grizzlies they they've got a good window because of the young talent, but it's unfortunate for them. Their, their biggest issue is where they can never they every time they've been in the postseason, they've dealt with some serious injuries. Like they can't ever get fully healthy for a postseason run to see what could happen. And now this year, of course, we already know that they'll be without Steven Adams for that um, once again. So it's just that that's been their unfortunate thing for them is they just can't ever get everybody healthy for that postseason run when they when they actually get to that postseason. They put themselves in position, but then deal with injuries when it comes to the postseason.
This side of the program is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware, located at the corner of Quince and White Station. That's where you'll find East Memphis Ace Hardware. That's where you can find the big green eggs and all the accessories and anything else that you need for any DIY projects around the house. So from their great selection of Benjamin Moore paints to so much more, great staff to help you find exactly what it is you're looking for and help you with whatever project you're trying to get uh, taken care of. Go see the folks at East Memphis Ace Hardware. Get at the corner of White Station and Quince. You're tuned in to Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. I got a little change in my pocket going jingle you guys have all heard like that saying, like sometimes when you drink water or drink, drink any kind of liquid and you start choking, start coughing, they go, ah, I went down the wrong pipe. Yeah. Like, the hell are they talking about, man? But all I know is, like, I just drank some water in our last segment and it went down the wrong pipe. I don't know if we have two pipes. If it goes down your windpipe, yes, it's going to make it. Is that what it is? It's going down the windpipe? My God. I'm like still choking from, from a little sip of water. Welcome back to the program. Been talking Tigers basketball. We've been talking Grizzlies. We're going to dive into college football and the Tigers experience from Saturday down in Denton, Texas in just a moment. I did get sent a text by a couple of people just a moment ago. Andy Katz, who's been covering college basketball for uh, a long, long time, has put together his list of top 10 Final Four dark horses. Top 10 Final Four dark horses. And he does have the uh, University of Memphis Tigers at number 10. Dark Horse Final Four team. He has North Carolina's number one dark horse. Would you consider North Carolina a dark horse? I know they struggled last year after being, what, the champ or the runner-up two years ago? Runner-up. Yeah, I don't don't think most people right now have North Carolina as a Final Four team for this year. He's got Illinois second, Texas A&M third, Maryland fourth, UCLA fifth, Villanova sixth. Just sounds weird to, to hear some of these names on a dark horse list. St. John's. We were just talking about Rick Pitino. They are seventh, Boise State eighth, Wisconsin ninth, and then the Memphis Tigers. The um, talking about the uh, the Grizzlies of the NBA. Did you see what? Uh, did you see what Steph Curry did to poor Dylan Brooks last night? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, that was rough for Dylan. <laughs> man, oh man, I, I mean, I felt bad for him. I'm glad Steph eventually just shot it so he could quit embarrassing him. He had him spinning in circles and jumping. He didn't know what the hell was happening. And then the, the first move, like just completely left Brooks. At that point, if I'm Dylan, I'm not going back to try and do anything. Just let it happen from there. But then you, then on the fake, you go jumping back by him again. Like, hey, get Dylan still shooting over fifty percent from three point range on the year. He is one we of the great three point shooters in the we league. We really my need friend. Dylan shooting on this team. Clearly, we need Dylan shooting. Dylan Dylan Brooks is at fifty three percent from three point range. Luke Kennard hasn't made a three yet this season. Karma. But the um, I'm kidding. But the Steph Curry shot, yeah. If I get if I get jocked the first time, I'm just letting him shoot and like, hoping he misses. Although he never misses. But how about the reaction, his facial expression, and then of course they compared it to the the great painting, scream painting, mm-hmm. just fantastic stuff and perfect for Halloween with scream. Um, yeah, Steph Curry, this just in, he's damn good, damn good, and uh, one of the greatest, if not the greatest shooter. Uh, in the history of the game. All right, so 
the Tigers football team. <laughs> we'll start that conversation and we'll continue it in the second hour. But this whole narrative would have been completely different and we would have opened the show certainly with it because the phones would have been ringing off the hook and I'm sure we're going to still get calls and I'm sure we're still going to get texts from people because of what went down and how it happened but there's two ways to look at every story the doubters the detractors the half-empty people will look at it and go how can you blow a lead like that fire the coach and then of course everybody else with sense and brains will look at it and go they won the football game and that's all that matters but how they won the football game a kid from Denton who grew up 10 minutes from that stadium in less than a minute not a two minute drill less than a minute taking him down the field and Joe Skates becoming one of the heroes after dropping a touchdown pass that, who knows at that point, maybe North Texas never rallies because I think it would have been 38-21. But Joe Skates drops the easy one and then makes a really good catch, getting hit from both sides and hanging on in the end zone. And the Memphis Tigers become bowl eligible for a 10th straight year as they defeat North Texas in a wild one, 45-42 to improve to 6-2 in a game that saw... 1,191 yards of total offense. Yeah, in, in the end, they escape with the win, um, which that's that's what you got to do. Um, it's a bottom line business, and a win is a win. I don't know how in the world it got to that point. <laughs> I, like I, even watching it, like I, I don't like. It never seemed like it was going to officially get away from them and then all of a sudden I'm like oh my gosh they're like they're losing <laughs> like they're they're down in it. I mean all the drop passes were certainly a huge part of that um a couple of the fourth down drops and certainly I think you know there will be people that will be critical of Silverfield and going for the fourth down rather than pinning them deep all of that type stuff but I mean to be up 31-7 on a team who who cannot stop anybody from running the ball you just assume the game's over like you're just like well this will be easy you just you're just you can run the ball on them the rest of the day and never have to worry about a thing and give North Texas credit um that offense it, you it, you could see with what we expected it's it's pretty darn good um and they've got the, the the receivers are good um the quarterback's pretty good they've got a couple of running backs like they made some big plays and and did some things but yeah there's no way you should ever be trailing again after you had a 31-7 lead against a bad football team but yes yeah, Seth Hennigan that last drive um you know that that's a that's big time just absolutely big time stuff from him um and the rest of the offense to be able to march down the field that quickly and and do what they did and um, it, it was a, that's a big drive. That's a big drive for Ryan Silverfield. That's a big drive for everybody. Cause that would have been an absolutely, um, embarrassing disaster. If you ended up losing that game. It's a good thing. They played a team that had a porous defense because against most teams with a defensive pulse, it probably would have been near impossible in that time for the Tigers to go the distance and score that game-winning touchdown. And yes, the narrative would have been completely different. Um, you you watched it on television. I was right there on the sideline and couldn't believe what was going on. I never sensed that it was getting away, but it, it just started to 
inch closer and closer, a field goal, then another field goal, then a touchdown. But then they started to gash the Tigers' defensive line for 25, 30, 35-yard runs right up the middle. And all of a sudden, two, three plays, they were down the field. And you're going, what is, what is going on? What are they doing differently offensively that the Tigers haven't adjusted to? And then on offense, like you said, the Tigers are running the first half. Are you kidding me? What Blake Watson did in the first couple of carries for him. He ends up having an incredible game where he goes for 269 total yards between receiving and rushing. But he had a 65-yard touchdown run, 64-yard touchdown run, and it was laughable how bad that defense was. So it's 31-7. to I give credit and a lot of credit to that team, that North Texas team, at halftime going, you know what, we're not rolling over. We just did the same thing the week prior against Tulane on the road in New Orleans against the best team in the conference, nationally ranked Tulane. We were getting crushed. We came back. It was 28-28. We lost 35-28. So heartbreaking losses for North Texas, but they never rolled over. Never rolled over. But, yeah, being on the sideline, I'm right next to Laird Beach. I'm right next to Jeff Crane. Let me tell you, you talk about it being silent, and if you know looks could kill. But when you have, again, a bad defense and a quarterback – that seemed so calm, cool, and collected. And the receivers, who, as you said earlier, and you were absolutely right on, made incredibly key drops in that game. They never should have been in this situation. Obviously, the fourth and sixth going for it startled me. I couldn't believe it. But Hennigan throws one right in the breadbasket, the blank I'm seeing, he drops it. The game was over right there. Then you run out the clock. But it didn't happen. And you thought, oh my gosh, it's just maybe it's fate. North Texas is going to win. And then then that final drive, they're making catches. Drake makes a catch. Blankensee makes a catch. Watson makes a catch and dives out of the field of play in, in the foul territory to get the uh, to get the clock stopped. You had all three timeouts, which was important. And then the pass down the middle, same pass, same play, except the other side that they ran with skates in the third quarter, I think it was, that he dropped. And this time he makes the catch. So you're still where you need to be. Shaky, but you're where you need to be. You have South Florida coming in, an improved South Florida team, but a team that's been up and down this year. At Charlotte, you should win both those games to go to 8-2. and two. And then SMU. SMU, and then followed by Temple. Right now, you look at the American Conference standings, it's exactly what everybody thought. You have the the four best teams you thought were going to be, Tulane, SMU, UTSA, Memphis. That's where they are. Tulane, UTSA, SMU, 4-0 in the conference. Memphis and Florida Atlantic are 3-1. The uh, a texter, Steve, says, on a scale of 1-10, to 10, how shocked were you that the Tigers went for it on that fourth down? Uh, I wasn't shocked, shocked at all. I, you weren't? No. Oh, I, I go 9 I just don't, I mean, from where they, because I, I think Ryan Silverfield, and I think correctly so, thought, like, we're not stopping them. Like, we, I don't want to give them the ball back if I don't have to. I want to try and end the game with my offense. I don't think he had any faith that the defense would stop North Texas, which he was correct about. And so I think he just was like, 
I would rather take the chance of my offense being able to get the first down rather than my defense being able to stop them if we give them the ball back, no matter where we give them the ball in the field. Yeah, I understand that, and I'm sure that was part of the rationale. But here was my thought process. They weren't getting first downs on fourth and one, third and one. They weren't getting first downs in the second half. Again, I don't know what they were doing. They were running similar plays that worked in the first half. Adjustments made by... North Texas, they weren't getting a half a yard, a yard. They weren't getting the first down. So now all of a sudden they're going to try on fourth and six. Plus you throw in the, uh, you throw into the uh, uh, the factoring that you had Blankensy drop one already. You had Skates drop one already. So how much confidence did you have in those wide receivers? But and oh no, and then the other thing is, all they need is a field goal to tie the game. Right? I'm not even thinking they're going to take the lead. I'm thinking they're going to tie the game. So you're giving them a half a field, and their kicker is really, really good with a strong leg. So why not pooch it down into the corner, have them go a long way to give the kid a field goal try as opposed to a short field? But they went for it. The kid throws a perfect pass, Seth Hennigan, and Blankensee drops it. And then the rest is history. Yeah, in the, in the end, it's a good thing they didn't punt it because that would have just taken North Texas more time to score, and the Tigers <laughs> wouldn't have had time well, to score they, the game they would, have to, they would have to go farther, but yes, I mean, the way they, the way their offense was moving and the way I, the defense was playing, yeah. I have no problem with going for that fourth down. Again, and I was not again, I was not surprised at all. I, I figured, the, you know, Ryan likes to go forward to fourth down, and I, I think, in my mind, I, was, I would be with him that, our defense has not had a chance of stopping them in this second half. Let's just let's try and win the game and hopefully never have to give them the ball back. And yeah, I mean the, the drops are killers. I mean the two fourth down drops by Blakemsey are <laughs> massive, massive plays in that game. And then the skates drop all that. But yeah, they were. It's that that last drive was huge, and um, thankfully they were able to get it. But they should have never been in that situation on so many different levels. Seth Hennigan went twenty two of twenty eight. For 330 yards and a touchdown. Six incompletions. Think about how many drops. He probably missed on two passes. Seriously. I mean, legitimately two passes. And Blake Watson has now established himself. Seth Hennigan said this after the game. He is the next great Tiger running back. You look at, we haven't had one for a couple of years now. This guy has established himself as that next in the long line of great Tiger running backs. We'll continue to talk Tigers football. We'll go around the nation. We'll look at the SEC. We'll be joined by Barrett Salee at 825. But when we come back, more on the Tigers. We'll take your calls. We'll take your texts at 901-360-8255 on the Sports 56 listener lines. Hour one in the books. Hour two on the way. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. 